Hey, hey, beauties. Welcome to a Sacred Space podcast. I'm Katie, your host, and I am so excited to share with you how to create sacred space in order to heal and empower yourself. I want you to know that it is possible to live your dream life, to create amazing relationships, to experience joy daily, to be fully connected to yourself and passionate about life. No matter where you're at right now, it is possible to heal your trauma, your anxiety, and live a life beyond your wildest dreams. In this podcast, I will share with you the tools and resources I've used in order to create my dream life. And if it's possible for me, I know it is for you too. So let's get started. So today I am here with Regina McCarthy. She is the owner of Bluestone Healing Books and the author of Courageous Gilbert, The Groundhog. Um, I have her book. It's absolutely amazing. And I'm really excited to talk to her today. So Regina, why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself and um, your book and all of that good stuff. Sure. And Katie, thank you so much for inviting me to be on your podcast. I'm really thrilled to be here. So thanks. Yeah, I am a holistic psychotherapist. And so your listeners may know that I work with my clients in the body, emotion, the mental and the spiritual sides. So I believe those all four are connected yeah. um, and need to be addressed, you know, to, to do good healing work. Yeah. Um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I got my undergraduate degree from Boston College and my master's from Loyola University in Chicago. And um, married, three adult children, a cat named Bob. And uh, Courageous Gilbert is my first book. Awesome. It's a great one, too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I never thought I would write a book. It was not part of my plan, so to speak. And my husband used to say to me all the time, oh, honey, you've got a story in you. You've got a story in you. And I would think, what am I going to write about? I had no clue what he was talking about. And one night, I woke up in the middle of the night and there was this outline for a story. And so I grabbed my laptop and I ran down to my son's room who was away at college and I started writing and I wrote all night long, you know, just kind of had the outline of, of this, this, you know, starting to gel more this story about uh, this little person. I didn't even know if it was a human or an animal, anything. And the next day when I was making my tea in the morning, I looked out my kitchen window and there was this kind of furry animal walking in front of my house that I had never seen before. I've never seen since. And I said to my husband, what is that? And he said, oh, that's a groundhog. I thought, okay, there's the major character for my book, <laughs> a groundhog. And it turns out groundhogs are about digging for the truth, setting boundaries. And I was like, oh, perfect. Yeah, isn't that interesting that he only showed up like that one time after you wrote the, the outline? I, I find that so amazing. Like he was meant to be the character, you know? Meant, meant to be. Yeah. I totally yeah. believe in that. Yeah. yeah, that's really awesome. That is so wonderful. Yeah. Um, so why don't you tell us um, a little bit about the story? So for people that haven't read it yet, that they can just get an idea of what it's about. Um, sure. So, so Gilbert is a shy groundhog. He's, it's written for kindergarten for third, through third grade, but I really say it's for children of all ages mm -hmm. because these are kind of universal issues that he's dealing with. Mm -hmm. so he's a shy groundhog. He has trouble making friends. 
He does not like to read his book report in front of the class. He's got some stage fright going there. And he gets picked on by a bully. So one day he's had it with the bully, making fun of him, you know, laughing at him. And he runs across the playground, climbs up a tree, and the tree starts talking. And he's like, are you for real? And the tree's like, well, yeah, as real as you are. And they develop a friendship. And the tree really becomes his mentor. And I love that it's a tree because trees are grounded mm-hmm. and they're connected to the heavens and they're solid and, you know, it's an old oak tree. So the tree first teaches him, okay, you need to calm yourself down. And here's one of the easiest ways to do it. And so he teaches him the four, seven, eight breathing for relaxation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, had you heard of that breathing before you read the book? Not that specific one. I've done plenty of breathing techniques, but not, not that one. Mm-mm. Yeah. So I learned that from Dr. Andrew Weil, I don't know, 20 some years ago. It was in one of his books. And I just find it is so, you inhale for four seconds, you hold your breath for seven seconds, and then you have a nice long exhale for eight seconds. And it is one of the quickest ways to calm down your whole body and it's one of the easiest things to teach. So I've been teaching it to preschoolers through adult people in rehab at the hospital. I mean, all ages can use this breathing technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my daughter and I really loved it. We use it. Um, I, think that it I think that that specific technique um, really has like an effect on the, the nervous system. absolutely yeah like other breathing techniques that i because i i learned breathing through yoga originally so Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. real deep belly breathing right um, which is obviously you know wonderful and has has you know done wonders for my life but that specific one the four seven eight really has a very noticeable immediate noticeable impact on the central nervous system so Mm -hmm. we loved it it was great Good. And what I'm learning with the research I'm doing now is that it's that long exhale, mm-hmm. that eight second exhale that empties out our lungs of any carbon dioxide. You know, when I'm nervous, I'll shallow breathe. So it's right. that, or, and I may stop breathing altogether. Right. So I'm not getting any of that carbon dioxide out of my lungs. Mm-hmm. And that's what can make our, my brain foggy or mushy, or just, I can't, you know, I can't think. And it gets my whole body anxious then because, A, I, I, I haven't emptied out my lungs and there's no room now for incoming air to come in. Right. So now I get caught up in this cycle where I'm just going to keep doing the shallow breathing and I, it's like I don't catch up. So right. that long exhale really clears out my lungs, calms my central nervous system. My brain is saying, oh, you can breathe. You can get the oxygen in and out. You can get, there's room for more. It's okay you're going to be fine. Yeah, and maybe why that is is because it's like sort of an act of letting go, you know? Mm -hmm. Like maybe that's that's, um, symbolic, but also physical representation of letting go. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, energy follows thought. So if you think something, you make it real. So our imagination is really powerful. And so I'll tell my clients, when you inhale, you can inhale love or light or whatever your spiritual connection is into your body. And when you exhale, you can visualize anything that doesn't serve you leaving your body mm-hmm. yeah. and, and gone, release it. Yeah, exactly. And it's powerful. It really works. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so the tree teaches him the breathing, tells him to practice it. He goes and practices it, but he still is getting triggered. And so he's like, Hey, I did what you said, you know, what's going on here, which, you know, can be like the rest of us. We want that instant fix. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, the tree teaches him, well, you know, you can't change anybody else. You can only change yourself. You know, you can only change how your body responds. So he teaches him, you've got these things in your body and they're called emotions. And the book goes into fear and sadness and anger. And he teaches him, you know, these are beautiful tools or beautiful gifts that you have. You need to ex first identify them and then express them. That releasing you were just talking about, give them a voice, get them out of your body. And you have to practice these things. Mm -hmm. You know, we think we can do it once or twice and then, you know, we should be really good at it. Right. And nothing, you know, I t I, when I read it to kids, I say, okay, well, what do you practice that? You know, is it kicking the soccer ball or playing the violin or reading or whatever? You know, it's that practice that makes things permanent. Mm -hmm. So he teaches them to practice getting the emotions out. Yeah, and I love that part the best. I think that's like definitely been one of my biggest healing tools is um, I think I spent, and I think most of us do, most of my life repressing all of these emotions. And when mm -hmm. I finally started honoring my emotions, giving them a voice and, and letting them move through me, then, you know, things in my life and my circumstances started to change. So it really yeah. is a powerful, powerful healing tool. Yeah. And you know, our, I, 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 I give my parents a lot of credit. They raised 10 children. Wow. And they raised them in the 60s and 70s. And they didn't have any coffee table books saying, mm -hmm. be there for your children. Hold them close when they're upset or sad. You know, there weren't those parenting techniques of compassion and empathy. Right. Instead, it was, what, what are you crying about? You know, I'll give you something to cry about. Mm -hmm. or, or stop acting like a child. You know, don't make that noise. Go, go in the other room. And we got shamed out of feeling our emotions. Mm -hmm. And so giving our kids, giving ourselves permission to feel things and then express them. That's the way we're supposed to be. That's the healthy way. Yeah. But if we didn't learn it, we didn't learn it. <clears throat> yeah. And there just weren't those resources available. Like you said, you know, during, like during my parents' time and, and, you know, and before that, those, that just wasn't a prevalent thing. No, no, it wasn't on anybody's radar. Oh, we need to do this for the kids. Right. For ourselves. For ourselves. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But luckily now we're, we're, we're all coming into awareness around that and, and we're seeing how powerful, you know, expressing our emotions and, and releasing them and um, identifying them and seeing the lessons, you know, like what, what they're pointing to, what we need to look at in our lives. And using that and, and working with that, you know, I think people are really beginning to heal from not just like trauma that they've experienced in their life, but generational trauma because we are coming into that awareness of how important uh, of a role our emotions play in our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, you know, that brings up an important idea and that's that whole um, notion of what is trauma and what isn't trauma mm -hmm. that word i didn't even remember i don't think i ever heard it when i was a kid except in relation to um somebody being traumatized by an accident where they were in the accident right and you know trauma is is a perfectly normal emotional response to a really terrible event 
Mm-hmm. And that could be, you know, seeing a car accident, certainly being in a car accident, but even seeing one, mm-hmm. you know, natural disasters where you have floods or you have shootings or you have um, shootings are the natural disasters. But, you know, these huge disasters that happen to a lot of people, that's traumatizing to our mm-hmm. bodies. Um, but so is losing a job, mm-hmm. having to move over and over and over. I had one child whose parent was in the military. And every school year, she had to start at a new school. Yeah. That's traumatizing. Yeah. Um, someone in the family being chronically ill, mm-hmm. um, you know, having a se- severe addiction, those are all traumas. Yeah. And, you know, our bodies have this great response of helping us deal with it, a beautiful response. And that's to shut down the thinking part of our brain and to go into the, the reptilian or the automatic part of our brain mm-hmm. and go into that fight flight or that freeze mode. Right. And so those are great things. However, the younger we are when we have trauma and the fewer resources we have, or if we feel hopeless, overwhelmed or trapped, this traumas can turn or the, the traumatic response of the fight flight or freeze can turn into shock. Mm-hmm. where we go into those responses and we're not even in a traumatic situation. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like so that's change. where, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what that's go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say that even just like the slightest change can cause you to, to go into shock as, as just like a natural response. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then I'm, if I'm in that place, I'm not able to take care of myself. Right. If I'm in shock, I don't know how to do the breathing. You know, because my, my rational, logical brain is turned off. Mm-hmm. And I'm either moving towards somebody because I'm really angry or I'm running away from them. So that's that fight or flight. Or I'm just going to freeze. I'm going to dissociate and I'm going to be a million miles away. And we see, you know, people are in this all the time. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, even in my own life, I've experienced that over and over. And I've, I've seen it happen in, in my family and um, just really every I don't know everyone I know I I can tell that like there's there's trauma being held onto within themselves and then anytime there's the slightest change it brings up you know they go into shock and they they have those exact responses so I I see it all over the place which is one of the reasons that I moved into the work that I did that I do because I I see that it's such a prevalent thing it's something that just seems to happen to all of us, like we're all sort of in this space of, of um, just an automatic response of trauma. Right. And the thing to also remember is that it is contagious. So if I go in, like on this call, if I go into shock, you could go into shock. Mm-hmm. Even We're not even looking at each other. Right. You know, we're not even next to each other. But it is so contagious. And so you can have a classroom full of people or a, a working environment full of people who, if you know, one person, usually like the leader, go the teacher, the manager, if they go into shock, everybody can feel it. Right. Yeah, isn't that interesting how that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really mm-hmm. true. And I've noticed that. And I've, I've heard that, um, like science has, has broken that down based on something called mirror neurons. And when, and when you're in a, an environment, you're, especially as a child, you have these neurons in your brain that will mirror what's happening within your environment. Mm-hmm. So I find that very interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that's also part of entrainment. 
mm-hmm. where we can all start moving at the same rate right as each other you know and and we are energetic beings right so yeah if i'm nervous and anxious and which is really important for our moms and kids even you know when the baby's inside us they pick up on our anxiety mm-hmm. yeah and parents kids pick up on our anxiety yeah so it's important for all of us to learn somehow whatever and whatever works for you and if it's not the four seven eight find a way that helps you calm your system down and what's the, what I think is fun so the breathing the four seven eight you take that four second inhale and a long exhale you can get that by singing yeah. so you know you're driving along turn your rate up nice and loud and sing your heart out or humming mm-hmm which is a cool thing. And there's something about the vibration of that humming in your head that has a healing effect. Laughing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like laughter yoga is so much fun if you've ever yeah. done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's all getting that long exhale. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful technique, I love it. And one of the, I know you kind of touched on this, but one of the things that I think is really important Um, like a really important point that you made is about um, the practice making permanent. I have a teacher who says this all the time and I would love for you to just, just expand on that, like how you can, because I think that it's such a, such an important, an important point. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. So anything that we want to get better at, we have to practice. Then I'll say to the students, um, I'm learning how to play ukulele and I'm not very good. But the more I practice, the better I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that that practicing is also part of the, the universal law of attraction. Mm-hmm. So as I'm thinking about it, as I'm doing it, as I'm breathing it, as I'm in that energy, I'm, I'm you know, getting better and better, and I'm attracting that to me. Right. And so if I practice, this is getting a little bit off, but if I practice negativity, that's going to become more permanent in me right. versus if I practice positivity, that's going to become more permanent in me. So it's, it's important what we practice and that we do practice. We don't get, we're not reaching for perfection. Right. We're reaching for something that is automatic, mm-hmm. something that is comfortable in, like I said, in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So if it's that um, breathing technique, or if it's a response that I give to my kids, you know, um, it's too easy to just snap at them, or if I'm tired, you know, just like, whatever. Yeah. But to practice being able to say to them, hey, you know what, I need a minute, and then I'll come and talk to you. Mm -hmm. Or I'll call you back when I finish what I'm doing here. So practicing putting myself first, practicing my timeouts for myself, you know, whatever I want to get better at, I need to practice. Right. Yeah. And that, that 100% coincides with, with what we were talking about, about feeling and expressing our emotions and how that's like an act of self care and really creating the time to practice going into our emotions. Cause I think a lot of people get the idea that it's like, like, and I think you mentioned this earlier that, you know, it's, it's a couple of times you release some emotions and you think that it's like that you're good to go, but we're constantly going through things and we're constantly, and we have a lifetime of stuff built up a lot of the time. 
So we're constantly going to have to be um, making that a practice as an act of self-care in our lives where we are looking at those emotions, honoring them, and, and having a way to release those every time they come up and every time we feel triggered by something. Absolutely. Absolutely. We need to um, daily... You know, we have, we have all kinds of daily rituals that we do, you know, washing our face and brushing our teeth, breathing, meditating, and then why not having a daily, um, Dr. Andrew Weil says if you do his breathing three times a day, it builds up in your body and you don't go as high and you don't go as low as you might have gone in the past. So it, it's this great um, resource that we can create in our body. Why not do the same with our emotions? Right. And, and what I teach the kids, you know, it's, I don't, I'm not able to cry on demand. So getting that sadness out, it would be, that would be a little hard that way. But I teach the kids to have a big, heavy sigh, a really loud, full body. And so we lift our shoulders, we take an inhale, and then we just almost fall, you know, fall over to the ground, but bend forward with a oh, really loud sigh. Yeah. Two or three of those. I'm a different person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really feels good. Yes, it so, does. To get that sadness out. And then if you're afraid and if you're angry, yell into your hands. Yell into a pillow. Yeah. Just just yell, you know, out loud. I'll do it when I'm driving in the car. Yeah. You know, just I, have some great yells to get because because what happens again, we're energetic beings. Mm -hmm. Our emotions are energy because everything right. is energy. And if we don't get, like you said, if we don't get it out almost on a daily basis, it's building up, it's mm -hmm. building up. And then, yeah, when we get triggered, boom. We explode. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So it's a great preventative tool. Yes, I agree. And, you know, like you were saying how, you know, we're energetic beings and energy, emotion is energy in motion. It's meant mm -hmm. to be constantly moving. That's what emotion is. It's, and so when we stifle it and when we, we shut it down, suddenly it's not in its natural state. And that's right. where stagnancy comes from. That's where we end up in these, in these places of depression and that sort of thing is because we've, we've stuck something inside of us that was actually always meant to be in a moving state. Always. Right, right. And Louise Hay would say that this causes dis-ease in our body, which is yes. disease. Yeah. So there are no bad emotions. Just if we don't express them, right. they can you know, literally cause, physically cause us harm in our bodies. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about courage and what that is and um, just go into defining that, how we can get more of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, so it's really a lot based on what you were just saying is practicing getting these emotions out. Because, you know, I was thinking when you were saying that about when they get stuck and then we get triggered, mm -hmm. you know, what is courage? Courage is doing something we're not comfortable doing. Yes. It's from the heart. You know, we, we take that leap and we do something. And I'll say to the kids, when have you had to use your courage? And they'll say, oh, jumping off the high dive. Or, I mean, that's when I have to use it too. Or um, um, certainly getting up in front of the class, uh, doing that recital or um, any, you know, many things. And I'll say, and where do you notice that in your body? And they'll tell me and then I'll ask, and how did you feel after you used your courage? And they're like, oh my gosh, so much better. Mm -hmm. So courage is that 
um, I don't want to do this, but I know I'll feel better when I do it. Mm-hmm. And then certainly our bodies feel much more calm and relaxed after we've accomplished something that we weren't sure we could do. Yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think that using your courage too is, you know, it builds confidence. There's, there's all of these um, sort of side effects from, from using our courage and definitely like confidence and, and self-esteem and feeling more grounded and balanced um, in life in general are side effects of, of taking that brave step. Absolutely. Every time you do something you weren't sure you could do, you feel better and more confident. And like you said, that self-esteem just grows. Yeah. I was, I was doing some research about stress and I learned a new term that I hadn't heard before called eustress. I think I'm saying that right. E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. And that's the stress that's um, when you're looking forward to the first day on the new job that you're really excited about or that first date with someone that you haven't met, you know, that excited stress mm-hmm. that it's actually a good stress and it's good to bring those into our lives. Mm-hmm. And so that's using that courage to, to try new things, right? To put ourselves in new situations that are stretching us because yeah. it's really good. Yeah. And having, I like that they call it that like you stress like that, like having that um, sort of higher vibrating stress that, um, that creates that excitement in our lives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. I think that's a great term. I'm going to use that one. Yeah. I've never heard that before. No. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like you said, practicing is so important and practicing getting these emotions out it becomes permanent then. Right. And then when, when we get triggered by something and you're right, we have a whole lifetime of the events that are, that are inside of us. And we have these wonderful people in our lives who trigger us. Mm-hmm. And that's so that we can look at where we need to grow, exactly. where we need to do our work. And so practicing, practicing, practicing. Yes. It's, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful process and it's a wonderful journey. I think that, um, so, so many times we just think that, you know, it's, we want that quick fix or the, um, if we do this, we'll, we'll finally get to a place of, of perfection or we'll always be thinking positive thoughts or affirmations will change our life and, you know, that sort of thing. And it, and it just, it just doesn't work that way. Life is a journey and we constantly have to be giving ourselves the tools that we need to grow and move forward and experience the life that we want. And also, um, you know, have acceptance that part of life is experiencing sadness, anger, and fear. I mean, that's that's part of the human experience. Oh, absolutely. And you know, some of those so-called negative emotions get such a bad rap. We would be in big trouble if we didn't have anger. Right. Because anger and, and you know, we, we had both talked about expressing things, it's not okay to vomit our anger on people, right. but to use our anger to say, you know what, that's not okay what you're doing mm-hmm. and set a boundary right. because that's what anger is all about. Somebody's right. stepping on my boundaries or pushing my boundaries or I'm allowing them and I'm not using my no mm-hmm. or I'm not using my yes where I want to say yes. Right. And so if, if I didn't have boundary, if I didn't have anger, sorry, then I would have no boundaries. Right. Exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah. Anger is, is a great emotion. It's a very fiery emotion. So it can burn a lot of things off if we're, if we're willing to look at it and honor it, especially when someone has, has hurt us or betrayed us. And, 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 you know, if we're willing to look at that anger and honor that anger, it can really help us move into, um, into, cause a lot of times what I've noticed with anger outside of it being like, you know, pointing to a boundary that needs to be in, in place is that when we're betrayed by someone and we feel anger, um, behind that anger is grief. But if we never look at the anger and we never honor the anger, the grief gets stuck. And then right. and so does the anger. And so we end up in a place where we can take that anger and then, you know, use it negatively, like in attack on others and that sort of thing. So Absolutely. Yeah. And so when we use that anger to our advantage and we we're willing to look at it and move through it, then we can get to the place where we can honor our grief and we can, we can cry and we can let that out. And, and you can build closer relationships, not only with your, with other people, but with yourself when you're really willing to, to dig deep and, and especially moving into grief. Cause I think a lot of people have a hard time getting to that place because grief can be a really, um, heavy emotion it can be a really kind of scary thing to look at and when we're mm-hmm. willing to look at that grief and express it and move through it and share it with another person that we trust it can create closer bonds and it can really you know help us grow as people so oh, absolutely. yeah i think it's it's a wonderful thing and and you know, expressing our emotions and feeling into our emotions are, are beautiful. And that's why I really love your work and I really love your book. It it really has just been so much fun for me and my daughter to read it and especially because we were moving and she had to go to a new school and oh. so it was perfectly timed. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful. Um, so then tell me about how to find our own old oak tree that can give us that support and guidance. So as we get to know ourselves better, as we begin to feel our emotions and express our emotions and trust our emotions, we start understanding who we are and what our needs are, what we need, what we don't need, what we want, what we don't want. And that's where I would say get to that place or work towards getting to that place and then see how you resonate with someone else who could be a mentor, who could be a guide, who could, you know, trust how your body responds to who you'd like to make your, your old oak tree, your wise old oak tree, um, whether it's a, a trusted friend or colleague or therapist or family member, there has to be somebody who you trust with you're, well, being vulnerable mm-hmm. with your emotions, with your life, with your heart. Um, and I think most of us are pretty in tune with, oh, boy, that person just kind of rubs me wrong. Right. You know, oh, I get kind of a, don't go to that person. Don't make them your tree. Right. So, so listen to your body wisdom. And then um, if you're looking for a therapist, I mean, psychology today is a great place to find a therapist and ask them about their own healing journey or ask them about, are they in therapy? Are they working on themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah. But in, and if you're looking for a friend or a colleague that you want to, you know, talk with, make sure you resonate with them. Make sure your body and, you know, your energies line up. 
-hmm. Yeah, I think I think having a support system is, is really important. It's really important. I mean, that's what all the research today is showing. That is one of the factors that's he helping kids heal from trauma and mm -hmm. bounce back from trauma is that somebody was there who listened to them, you know, unconditionally mm -hmm. and in a non-judgmental way. Someone was there with empathy and compassion. And it's amazing. I mean, that is what creates resilience in kids today. And that can help us be yeah. more resilient. So connection is really important. And I get it. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It can be scary to share my, my secrets, you know, which is about shame, the right. things I'm not comfortable sharing, the things that I'm not comfortable about myself or my past. Um, find someone. It's, it's really, really important. It really is. It really is. I agree with that completely. And I think that I like that there's so much research showing how kids heal when they have a support system, somebody to listen to them. I know like for children, they're so much more open to that typically like open to sharing. And for adults, that is, that's, you know, really hard. It's really hard. Even when you get to a place where you're more comfortable with yourself. And like you said, you've, You've, you have your tools and you've been using them and you've, you've gotten to a place where you're starting to understand what you need, even then <laughs> it can be really hard to, to open up and, and share things, you know, share things that have triggered you and share, share your vulnerabilities because we, you know, as adults, I think that we've a lot of times come to a place where we've been carrying that load of shame for so long. It, it's just what we're used to and we're in that pattern. And so opening up and sharing with other people can, can be really hard. Oh yeah. And I'm sure you've listened to Dr. Brene Brown um, and yeah. her Ted talk, the power of vulnerability, Yeah, you know, her research and I quote this often, her research shows that we are the, our adult population is the most overweight, over medicated, in debt and addicted adult cohort ever because we don't want to feel our emotions right we'd rather do anything than feel our emotions yeah that's really true that's very true yeah and i think we're getting to a place though where most of us are understanding that it's a dead-end road and that we, the only option we really have is to feel our emotions like it gets to that place where you're if you take a look at your life and you're like <laughs> The only option I've got now. <laughs> I've yeah, got everything else work. <laughs> so you know it's a fun thing, Katie, that I love telling adults to do. Go to your bed, your couch, your whatever, and have a full body tantrum. Mm -hmm. Lay on your stomach and pound your arms and pound your legs and let some noise come out of your mouth. Or lay on your back and do the same thing and just get it out. Yeah. You know, we hold our body so tight all day long. And, you know, sometimes we shame our kids out of, oh, stop that. You're not a child anymore. They're just yeah. releasing. Yeah, that's really true. And so really. do it as an adult. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It is. And a lot of times we weren't able to do that as kids. I know that I, I got in a lot of trouble if I threw a tantrum as a child. So right. you know, being able to give yourself that freedom to do that as an adult, and especially if you're a parent, 
that frees you up to to be able to give your child that freedom as well. So do, do it with your child. Yeah. Do it, do it with your child. Do it with your husband. Do it with all your kids. Do it with your name. Do it with whomever. It's just because then you end up laughing afterwards. And it's so yeah, much fun. exactly. And it ends up being fun and, and a connective activity. Right. <laughs> Right well, now. Regina, I loved this conversation. It was absolutely wonderful. Do you have anything else you want to add? I don't think so. Um, gosh, if you want, if you want to get, you know, 500,000 copies of Courageous Gilbert, you can certainly go to CourageousGilbert.com, my website. Um, you can purchase it there and I, you can tell me if you'd like me to autograph it to someone in particular and you can get it on Amazon. Um, but I, I don't know who's buying that way. And I, I can't autograph it to someone. So, but it's, it's available in both places. Awesome. Yeah. And I will put the link um, below this video so that if you want to grab a copy of her book, which I highly, 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 highly recommend that you do, um, the links will be below this video. And what's your, um, you're on Instagram, right? I am. Yeah, sort of. share your Instagram handle so if in case they want to follow you or check your Instagram page out. Oh, you asked me a tough question. Okay, I'm in that over 50 age <laughs> category. So let's see here. I um, thought it was courageous um, underscore Gilbert. Yeah, courageous yep. underscore Gilbert. And I'll yep. put the link um, to that there as well. So make sure you follow her on Instagram and check out her book and grab a copy of that. Um, and I have a face, I have a Facebook page too. I do a lot oh, with yeah. my Facebook page, Courageous Gilbert. Courageous Gilbert. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so there's, a, there's a lot of information there for parents on parenting and um, all kinds of tips and some videos and you can see me and I talk about the book and trauma and all kinds of stuff. So on your Facebook page. Yep. On my Facebook. Oh, okay. Page. So that's kind of where you spend most of your time. I don't think right. I'm following you on that. I'm going to have to go ahead and, and follow yes. you on that because I don't think I am. So I'll. Yes, I'll you are. There. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you are. Yeah. Awesome. Yay. Well, this was such a great conversation and I just, I actually learned a lot today from you, Regina. Thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story about your, your book and, and all of your wonderful healing tips. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, you are so welcome. And thanks again for having me on. It's always a delight. And it was fun talking with you, Katie. And uh, gosh, I wish you all the best of luck in your new home, your new environment, your new yes. state. Thank you so much. For free resources, eBooks, and other super awesome tools, go to my website, sacredspacewithkatie.com. I also want to remind you to subscribe so you always get the latest episode and to leave a review so other people can find this podcast too. I super appreciate you tuning in today and I will catch you in the next episode. Have a beautiful day.